Welcome to the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Hagen, a nutrition coach, entrepreneur, food freedom expert, and forever a recovering disordered eater. I am here to help you own your enoughness, find your very own food freedom, and achieve your health and wellness goals in a way that gives more than it takes. Each week, I will provide you with insight and inspiration surrounding no-nonsense nutrition, mindset, motivation, body image, confidence, and other wellness wisdom. Hello, happy hump day or happy whatever day you're listening to this on, and welcome back to the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom podcast. I have such a special treat for you today. I am sharing a little sneak peek into one of our former group coaching calls. So the Nutrition Coaching with Nicole Squad has monthly group Zoom calls where we get together, we chat, sometimes it's just open dialogue where we share our strengths and our struggles and our successes, and other months we have amazing guest speakers come teach us more about what we need to know in order to crush our big powerful goals consistently and in a sustainable way. And so I reached out to one of my all-time favorite Instagram girl crushes, Casey, and asked her if she would speak to the squad. So I'm going to share, this was too good not to share, I'm going to share a few snippets from our group coaching call with you because what Casey shared with my one-on-one nutrition coaching squad was so freaking powerful. I think I encouraged every single rock star to listen back to it if they weren't able to attend our call live. And I need you to know some of these things too. So I'm going to just kind of introduce Casey first, and then I will share a few tidbits that I think will be hugely valuable to your life as you apply them in your goal achievement process today. So this is like a wealth of knowledge. Make sure that you are somewhere where you can focus, maybe even take some notes because what you're about to learn is seriously going to transform your goal getting process. Hi everyone. My name is Casey. I've been a health and fitness coach for about six years now. I did some in-person nutrition coaching, some online. Um, So I've been in kind of like both spheres there. And then I also have a PhD in psychology where I specifically studied health behavior change and how your mindset plays a role in that. Like quite literally spent five years in the mindset lab. So lots of, lots of mindset stuff in my life. Um, And it's been pretty cool to see how, as I was nutrition coaching with, like I say, in the wild. I was also in the lab at the same time. Um, So it was very cool to see kind of like the overlap there, how the research sort of played out in real life. Um, And today I am post-PhD. I'm not currently doing any research right now. Every so often I'll review some papers and stuff. It's one of those things that you do like for free and you're like, oh, I kind of missed the research. So maybe I'll review some papers and then I kick myself because it takes me, you know, so many hours. I'm like, I don't have time (laughs) for this, but I am a psychologist, but I'm also a health and fitness coach. And that's kind of how my business is set up as well. So yeah, that, that is me. So there's no denying Casey knows her shit. She's immensely educated and she also has a ton of 
lived experience coaching not only clients, but also other coaches. And I went on to explain to Casey that the nutrition coaching with Nicole model, I consider the messy middle. We help clients to create sustainable body composition change, but knowing that it starts from the inside and changing not only our mindset, but also our habits and our sustainable lifestyle behaviors. And so I went on to tell Casey that the thing I hear the most often from prospective clients is, Nicole, I know what to do. I just need help doing it. In fact, I bet those of you listening have said that or thought that at least a time or two, if not a couple hundred times or two. And I imagined that Casey had heard the same thing too. And here's what she had to say. Honestly, that kind of idea is why I went to grad school in the first place. I was falling so in love with health and fitness and strength training and seeing how it shows up in my life and makes like so many things better, which I'm I'm sure a lot of you have already noticed in your own lives that I started to wonder, you know, why do we still have an obesity epidemic on our hands? You know, why everyone knows they're supposed to exercise and eat healthy. Why are people not doing it? So it's, it is sort of a psychological problem I'll say. So that's why I decided to pursue psychology within the health and fitness realm instead of, you know, going towards being like an exercise physiologist or something like that. Because to me, you know, at some point, especially for coaches out there, I tell them all the time that you can get yeah more certification, more knowledge, better understand, you know, how carbs are utilized in the body and all of these things, but that's not really going to help you coach your clients either. And they honestly don't care. Like how many of you guys care about mitochondria and the Krebs cycle? Maybe some of you, (laughs) but um, probably not something you need to be like hearing from your coach every single week, but instead helping you kind of like guide you towards like, how do I actually implement this stuff? How do I make these changes? How do I, you know, my lifestyle has been this way forever. How do I start to shift it? Um, and that's what I really try to like practice and preach and teach. You might be able to resonate with the analogy that Casey just gave. This has been my lifestyle forever. I just don't have enough self-control. She has it. I don't. <laughs> I think if most of us are being honest, we've been there at some point in time. And this is something Casey refers to as a fixed mindset and is actually what keeps us stuck and holding ourselves back from reaching our goals. It's not actually a lack of self-control or willpower. It's our mindset. But I'm going to let her tell you a little bit more about that. Self-control, willpower, whatever you want to call it, however you want to define it, um, is something that a lot of people think that they struggle with, know that they struggle with, and all of kind of the in-betweens there. So this is an interesting kind of just little statistic I like to start with. I think they were, it was a study, I'm going to say like on the streets of New York City, pre-COVID times. And they asked people, like, why do you think people struggle with their health, like health behaviors, whether it's eating healthier, exercising more, like why, where do you think that is coming from? And 75% of people say that it was some form of like self-control willpower issue, which I'm sure a lot of you guys can think about like even maybe prior to working with Nicole or maybe even still if you're like what is still like the thing that holds you back like is it are you thinking like oh it's my ability to not like control myself around you know when there's cookies out or whatever it may be 
So a lot of people like kind of understand this to a basic degree. Um, you might even hear people saying, or maybe you've said this yourself previously, like I have negative amounts of willpower. Like I just don't have it. Or if someone else is successful that you think to yourself, like she just must have awesome self-control and I don't like, that's why she's able to do it. And I can't. Um, and what's interesting about how we sort of perceive self-control is from a mindset perspective, because I always have to take it there. Um, to me, a lot lot of these thought processes are really just indicative of a fixed mindset. Like you think that you were maybe just born into this body who has negative amounts of willpower or that someone else just has the self-control, but it's not necessarily something that you could develop. Does any of that sound familiar? If so, you are tuning into the right podcast. Having a fixed mindset is basically like the kiss of death when it comes to reaching any kind of goal. And if you're still unsure whether or not you have struggled or do struggle with a fixed mindset, let me know if this sounds like you. Do you avoid challenges? Do you believe that your abilities and your attributes are innate? You either have it or you don't. Do you believe that when you fail, it's proof of your unintelligence or your unworthiness? Do you tend to give up easily? Are you threatened by others' success? And do you often question, "Eh, what's the point? Why should I bother? I'm just going to fail anyway. If so, listen up because Coach Casey is about to tell you why a fixed mindset is complete bullshit. Stay tuned. Self-control really is like a muscle. It gets tired over time. So throughout the day, if you find yourself, you know, maybe in the morning, like your kids are like making a huge mess at breakfast and that's like requiring some self-control not to like snap at them. And then you get to work and your boss is like suddenly put this huge project on your lap that's due the next day. And so that's requiring you some self-control to like keep your cool. Um, And then yes, you have to avoid the donuts in the break room or whatever it may be. And that's like requiring some self-control too. Um, then you're driving home from work and your mom called you and she's like talking about how unhealthy she's being and how um, her doctor is saying that she's like at risk for diabetes or something like that. And so it requ- requires some self-control to not tell her, you know, get your shit together, mom. Um, so all of these things throughout the day will start to drain your energy that goes towards self-control. So I'm sure many of you have maybe been in this situation before where you had a really like stressful day or a day where you did have to exert a lot of self-control. And at the end of the day, you feel like you have just like so much less or it's so much harder at the end of the day for you to say no to that extra glass of wine than it is like earlier in the day type of thing. Um, So why this is, is that all of these different sources like tap into that same energy storage and stress is very similar too. So, you know, stress from dieting on your body or working out. That's all those are stressors, but also psychological stressors that come from those situations, you know, at work or whatever they may be. Those are all kind of draining or pouring into the same bucket. Um, so what's interesting and how we kind of know this, that it is sort of like a buildup over time and it can get tired. There is this fun study that I like to cite here that actually shows that people who are restricting their calories or are on a restrictive diet are more likely to cheat on significant others. Obviously it's kind of like a a silly like correlation, but it just goes to show, you know, both those things require self-control. With that said, 
because it can get tired, that also means we can train it. We can train it to get stronger over time. So that's kind of like tying back into this muscle model. Good news, right? Self-control works like a muscle. If we feel like we don't have a very strong muscle, we can grow it, we can practice it, we can put in the reps and gain more self-control. But if that's true, why does it feel so damn hard to make the goal supportive choice when we know it's going to benefit us in the long run? Here's what Casey has to say about that. What's super interesting is that we actually kind of know where your self-control lives in your brain. And it's mainly in your prefrontal cortex, which is the big area right behind your forehead. Um, there we find, you know, deliberate decision-making, attention, focus, all of those things. It's in a very specific part of your brain. And what's interesting is that when we are, you know, tempted by instant gratification or we do want those cookies or donuts in the break room or whatever it may be, sometimes that kind of gets turned off and it's an entirely different part of our brain. It's actually the midbrain where those kind of processes live. So we're quite literally battling against like two parts of your brain when you're trying to initiate self-control. So it makes sense that it feels like a little bit of push and pull. Like, do I want it? I don't, I don't need it. Like, but should I have it? But I, I really don't, I don't need it. That's it. You're literally using two different parts of your brain when you're going back and forth there. So it may feel kind of like a ping pong with your thoughts. And this is exactly why. Ah, no wonder it's such a struggle to make the goal supportive choice. It's literally two different parts of our brain battling against each other when we're making that choice. But we know we don't want to fall prey to a fixed mindset, which would say, okay, okay, it's just the way my brain works. There's nothing I can do about it. (laughs) Because that would be the kiss of death to reaching any of our goals. So how do we actually go about growing our self-control, knowing what we know about how the brain works. Intrinsic motivation is super important here. This is essentially this idea. I'm sure many of you have heard, even just, you could probably scroll through Instagram right now and find someone talking about how important it is to find your, your why, right? The why behind you do, why you do things. Um, And this for me, like, it from a more like scientific standpoint, we call it intrinsic motivation. Um, on the flip side, it would be extrinsic motivation where the, those are things, you know, like, oh, I'm doing it for someone else or I'm doing it for an event and not so much doing it because it makes you feel good or it makes you happy or it's part of who you are. Those are all more of the intrinsic portions of things. So if we can find more of that and really start like start to discover why we are doing this for ourselves, that can really help you with your self-control over time and allow that sort of part of your brain to take over more than the instant gratification portion. Um, another one that I love to talk about is if-then planning. Um, if you wanted to like look at the research, it's called implementation intentions there. And it sounds so basic. And every time I talk about it, I'm like, gosh, this sounds like so silly. People aren't even going to think it's like legitimate, but it's so easy. And that's a good thing. So how if then planning works is essentially, you know, if you're going into an event into the weekend where, you know, there are going to be some challenges, barriers coming up, just think about like what your plan is going to be beforehand. And this kind of basic structure is if this happens, then I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And again, sounds so basic and you're like, okay, is that, how's that really going to help? Um, but from like a neuroscientific standpoint, what you're doing is essentially already presenting a route for your brain to take once you get in those situations versus, you know, if you were to not do this at all and just say like, no worries, like I got it. Like I'll, I'll go into the weekend and it'll be just fine. 
that might not actually happen, right? As soon as it's like, oh, well, now someone's pushing drinks on me and like, oh, like now I've had the drink and now I want the, the extra dessert or whatever it may be. And then, you know, guilt and then the whole cycle, as we all know how that goes. So what this can do is sort of be just like a reason for you to pause or like I said, have your brain take that different route that you already planned for. It really just makes those different behaviors more salient, more accessible in the moment. So instead of like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I guess I'll just have the extra glass of wine because like I'm feeling pressured. You can think like, oh, like I had this thought already, you know, I went through this in my head already. If like I get pushed to have another drink, then I'm going to say, you know, I've already had plenty. Um, maybe I'll grab one in a little bit, but thank you. You know, it's just in little things like that in the moment can feel like difficult to access, to grab out of our brains, but doing this sort of if then planning beforehand can make it that much easier. Um, self-monitoring, super important. We see it in the research over and over again when it comes to behavior change that some form of self-monitoring is going to be really helpful. Um, so a lot of times, you know, we get those um, behaviors or ways to self-monitor from coaching, which is great. Um, but what this can mean for you is like figuring out where your triggers might be, where those self-control, like quote unquote failures really show up, like what is causing them. And over time, just start to catch yourself early and earlier before those triggers, right? Build some awareness around where those self-control failures are coming from. Like what's, what happened, you know, two hours before that, one hour before that, right before that, during that, after that, like really work through those steps to get a better idea of like when this is even happening. Because it's going to be really hard to change if it's always like this spontaneous thing, right? So getting a better idea of where that's happening and why can be super, super helpful to initiate more self-control. And of course, building healthy habits to fall back on. Habits kind of live in that midbrain portion, the kind of caveman brain that I was talking about. So if we can just, you know, build some habits. I know easier said than done. I'm sure you were all working on healthy habits yourself. Um, but the more that we can build those and they become a little bit more of like our automatic processes, the better, because when we get in these self-control situations, then it doesn't matter if we have to fall back on those things that we do just sort of like automatically because they're already the healthy option anyway. So the more you can do that, the better for sure. What's really cool is that self-control in one area does indeed translate over to others. Just like the idea that we're, we're draining from the same bucket, it's the same thing here. So something like meditation can actually be a really great way to practice self-control for other areas in your life. Seems like there's a little bit of like a disconnect, but... In reality, meditation is sort of self-control practice. You have to sit, you know, in silence, like let your thoughts like enter and slowly push them away, all of that good stuff. And that can be hard. Like, I don't know how many of you have tried meditating or maybe you are meditators. Um, it's not always the easiest thing to do and it does require self-control. There's actually some, don't totally quote me on this, but there's some research. I think it's just five to 10 minutes of meditation in the morning can do enough to increase like your intention, your self-control, your focus um, throughout the day. So little things like that can be helpful. So I'd love to like make you guys think a little bit about this. Like how can you practice your self-control? Like, does that mean you're going to set out like a bowl of M&Ms on your kitchen counter and do your best every time you walk by to not take an M&M, like that's one way to do it. Is it going to be meditation? Definitely think about like where you could practice this and insert it into your lives. If it's something that you're looking to build more of. Are you taking pages of notes? Because I know I sure did after hearing Casey talk about the science of self-control. This information is 
or has the potential to transform your journey towards health, happiness, body composition change, anything that you want to do that requires self-control, these are the answers. Making sure that you are pausing and noticing and naming to be aware of your triggers and your responses, having both intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, playing the if-then game, creating habits that feel automatic and come from our midbrain, which is that caveman or cavewoman part of our brain. So we don't even have to use self-control. And the best part, I freaked out when I learned this, that self-control extends from one area to other areas of our life. So Talk about our return on investment. If you spend time becoming more aware of your nutrition choices, let's say, you're going to have better self-control when it comes to physical activity or self-care practices. How cool is that? And speaking of, here's another super cool fun fact that I bet you didn't know. Physical activity can actually help with increasing your self-control. Um, it can train your brain to literally be bigger. We have this, we have seen from the research that physical activity exercise can actually increase your brain cells and teach them to sort of communicate quicker because it increases that insulation around each of the cells. Those are the, the pathways that I was talking about strengthening or weakening can actually increase those by exercise and the largest effect of the increased brain cells and increased communication is in the prefrontal cortex. And remember, that's where your self-control kind of comes from. So really cool that, you know, also it's interesting to think about because you're often practicing self-control to like go do the exercise too, right? It's like, oh, I'm so comfy. It's raining outside. Like it's the end of the day, I'm tired. Take self-control to like get up and get it done a lot of the time. So it's kind of like a double whammy, which is awesome. If you didn't already get your workout in today, I hope that felt compelling enough to get some physical activity in because not only do you get the benefit of physical activity, you also get the benefit of additional self-control. Now, one thing I wanted Casey to expand upon a little bit is how stress affects self-control because this is something that pops up a lot in my coaching client conversations and it's something I've experienced in my own life. When we're in heightened seasons of stress, typically self-control takes a nosedive. So I wanted her to tell us a little bit more about that relationship. Stress and self-control, I like to call them kind of like enemies to some degree um, because they both are energy suckers, right? So if you're super stressed out, can be really hard to have a lot of extra self-control because again, it's taking away from that energy that you need to use. So it requires energy for stress. It requires energy for self-control. So if you're really stressed out, chance of you having a lot of energy left to perform self-control at the end of the day is, is pretty low. So having less stress just gives you more energy available for things like self-control, not like, let alone like everything else in your life. Um, but ways to reduce stress and have a little bit more of this energy, obviously sleep, um, adequate rest days, healthy eating. That's where some of this like blood sugar regulation can be really helpful. Um, meditation, as I mentioned, can help with things like attention, focus, impulsivity, self-awareness. And if it's hard, that means it's working. So we definitely don't sh like shy away from it. I know I have a lot of clients who are like, okay, I tried it, but it's just like so difficult to, for me. So I don't want to do it anymore. Like, what can I do instead? And I'm like, 
like, no, that's a good thing. That's the way it should be. So those are all great ways to not only reduce your stress, but then kind of free up some energy for self-control. Before we wrapped up our call about the science of self-control, Casey gave us three thought-provoking questions to ask ourselves in an effort to strengthen our self-control. And one of these questions was so impactful to me personally. I wrote it down and I actually have it on my desk where I can see it every single day. But I'm not going to tell you which one. I want you to listen to these three questions and pick the one that resonates most with you and write it down somewhere you can see it is some discomfort now worth it if you know it's only temporary to make progress. So you're in the moment, you're like, I really want that extra glass of wine. I really want to grab the ice cream out of the fridge, like all of those things. Like you can just find a little second to pause and think like, is it worth it to be a little bit uncomfortable for the next like 30 minutes before I go to bed? If it means that it's only temporary and I'm going to, you know, continue to make progress because of it. So just like bringing your awareness back, like to your prefrontal cortex versus your midbrain can be, make all of the difference in those situations. And then also thinking to yourself, like, how will you benefit from succeeding at saying no or yes, kind of depending on the self-control situation? Like, what is your personal payoff? So kind of relates to the first question, but thinking more specifically, you know, like what, what is it, what's going to happen? What's the good stuff that's going to be added to your life rather than you just always feeling like you're taking something away. And lastly, who else would benefit for your, from your success? Um, unfortunately, a lot of times it's not enough for us to just think, oh, what's in it for me, but we need other people to kind of be involved too. So how would, you know, saying no to something, saying yes to something, exercising some self-control help or influence other people. Sometimes, you know, that's our kids. It's like saying no to like ordering dessert at dinner every single time might like pose a positive influence, a healthier influence on our children. So other ways to kind of think about how um, you can strengthen your self-control by just spending a little bit of extra time thinking about these deeper questions. I hope you found this information as helpful as my one-on-one coaching clients and I did. This is powerful stuff, and I don't want you to just dismiss it as another podcast episode. Make sure that you apply what you learned today and take action on growing that self-control muscle. If you loved what you heard or learned something new, would you please consider leaving a review? And of course, make sure that you are following Coach Casey on Instagram. For those of you who are interested in checking out like my Instagram, like Nicole was mentioning, I am Coach Casey Joe on pretty much every platform. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and then head on over to nutritioncoachingwithnicole.com where you can sign up for my weekly emails where I send out my favorite tips, tricks, advice, and support every single Monday morning to help you kick your week off right. Thanks for listening. Until next time.